This episode of Pompey Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. If you want to stay in the know about everything that's happening in Portsmouth, from news to culture to food, of course sport and Pompey, take out an online subscription with the Portsmouth News website today at Portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Not only do you get unlimited online access to award-winning reporting, but with fewer ads and free access to our digital edition and mobile app, you get all the Portsmouth you need. Our trial offer starts at just £1 a month for the first three months. Hello and welcome to Pompey Talk, the news podcast. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by Head of Sport, Mark McMahon and Blues writer Will Rooney to bring you bang up to speed with the latest from Fratton Park. We've been leading the way all the way through with the news over the EFL wage cap and after exclusively breaking the story of the vote result, we break down what this historic decision means for Pompey and the rest of the game. Not only that, but we've been questioning Kenny Jacket on his public enemy number one status, his style of football and what happens now as the anger continues to spill forth from supporters. We're now available on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, so give us a listen Like and subscribe to get each edition delivered to your device and keep your finger firmly on the PO4 Pulse at portsmouth.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Pompey Talk, a wage cap salary special with news just out of the press that EFL clubs, League 1 and League 2 level, have voted for a salary cap for the season ahead. Jordi, What's your reaction to it? Uh, my head's still spinning, to be honest, Mark, because I've literally not stopped from uh, from about one o'clock was the meeting. Um, got wind of it, uh, fortunate enough to get wind of it ahead of the meeting actually being finished. Uh, so we were able to exclusively break news that it was going through. I think, we, well, I'm certain we were the, the first in the country to that, so that's pleasing. And then obviously then it's just the, the, the kind of knock-on effect of Keeping up with the developments and Spigs uh, and Mark Catlin and uh, and the whole process. So it's been a frenetic afternoon for us all with Kenny Jacket speaking as well and all the, all the other bits and pieces we've got to get finished. But um, reaction, um, I wasn't not surprised it's gone through. Um, I thought it would have probably been uh, more emphatic than uh, the the very narrow margin uh, which it turned out to be. Uh, just, just to bring everyone bang up to speed, uh, there were uh, 24 uh, voters in each division, League One, League Two. So each division was voted on their own. Um, 66% was needed to carry the proposal. So that translates to 16 of the 24 clubs in League One. So in the final reckoning, 16 bang on the money uh, voted for it. There were seven against. And, and one abstention. So uh, very, very narrow, the margin. Um, and I'm sure we'll probably go on and talk about it a bit more. The, the, the way it unfolded was actually very dramatic with twists and turns and people changing their minds, which uh, at one stage looked like a, it would have got to uh, rejecting it, which is, of course, what Pompey are looking to do. Do we know who, do we know who changed their mind at the end? Or is that a, a safely guarded no, did that's well, well, yeah. I knew you were going to ask me that because uh, <laughs> you got, I knew I knew you wouldn't be uh, afraid to put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I, 
thanks very much, by the way. Um, you can just say no, we don't know who it is and, and carry on regardless. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest, at this moment, um, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I probably will find out at uh, some point moving forward. So look, Pom- Pompey were against it. Um, and picking up on the vibe from, from people reacting, I think they just thought it was going to be Pompey and maybe Sunderland. But um, in, in, the, in the final reckon, I, I believe the likes of Hull, Charlton, Ipswich, Oxford United, uh, Plymouth, actually, it was a surprising one coming up that they were against it, were the, the teams that um, looking, you know, likely to uh, vote against it. Um, so I'm not quite sure which one of any of those were the one that changed to change their change their their mind at the 11th hour. My understanding is that um, it took place this morning. Um, Mark Catlin was in conversation with a, a CEO or, or owner at uh, the, the club involved, who then had conversations with uh, people from the EFL, probably to seek assurances, uh, which led to them. Um, changing their mind effectively at the last minute and then that's swinging the whole vote the, the other way. Uh, Mark Catlin, very pragmatic uh, about it all and uh, he understands why most clubs r- were in favour of voting it through even though it, um, by their own um, they're happy to admit it themselves that it wasn't necessarily for, for reasons of sustainability because um, it's effectively uh, an outcome which suits the smaller clubs in the division which Let's face it, are in the majority. Well, you are there, aren't you? You're still there. Aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just checking. Um, this is the second time Pompey have lost one of these crucial votes. Um, you can understand them being a wee bit despondent after another thing that they've argued so passionately about has has fallen by the wayside, and they have had to make do with a decision that's been taken out of their hands. Of course you can, yeah, obviously the curtailment and all this, it just it just shows the sort of disparity in at League One level. You've got some big, big clubs like Pompey, Ipswich, Sunderland, who have obviously got a lot of clout and rightly so, because they've got big fan bases. And then you compare it to the other end of the scale, the likes of Accrington and you Rochdales, who obviously voted for it because it brings them up to 11 playing fields of these clubs. Why wouldn't you? I mean... If it's about sustainability, I mean, the case is there that Pompey are sustainable, made a £2.5 million profit. But you've got someone like, say, Accrington, or I know maybe Accrington is the wrong example, someone like a Rochdale or whatever, who would say, right, we could go up to £2.5 million now, we can we can bring ourselves level and not be sustainable and get themselves into more debt and roll the dice. It's just madness. If you as an, an owner thinks, right, I'm going to pick a club up on the cheap, I'm going to gamble at this for two seasons. If it comes off, it comes off. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And if they, if they don't, then we've got another berry on our hands or another charm that they're going through now. It's just like, if this is about sustainability, then it's just not for me at all. If that's the EFL's arguments, it's just crazy that they can think that this is about sustainability. And as you, as you said, clubs haven't done it. They've done it because they're on a level, level playing field now. The, the players that they won't be able to sign this time a week ago, even if it's getting brought up, they can now. If if players, if you can say right, we can only offer you fifteen hundred a week, whether you're Pompey or you, or you, you know, a Blackpool or a club up north. It's just it's just a link, and it's just such a disparity now. And you know, there's going to be that battle now, getting getting players to come down south and come to Pompey because 
if you're not getting a moving bonus and better wages and your agent's not getting a decent fee out of it, then why are clubs why are players gonna make the move? Jordy, any conversation that we have had amongst ourselves and other people, we've been able to pick holes in this here argument. We all agree that there needs to be some form of sustainability, like but this isn't the way that a lot of people believe was the right way to go about it. But how come people like us and, and conversations as I say we've had can can identify these problems, whereas these league clubs can't and the EFL can't even? Um it's, it's to me it's just absolutely gobsmacking that Pompey aren't able to spend a wee bit of extra money when say Accrington can spend beyond their means. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? And also that Portsmouth have suggested amendments to the proposal um, and alternatives, but they've continually been batted back. Now, we saw before with the Catalman and the proposals, they were prepared to listen to alternatives. But in this scenario now, Portsmouth have offered a number of alternatives. Uh, One that uh, we know Mark Catlin was happy to go on the record with was, was adding net gate receipts above the two and a half million threshold. So if you do have 40,000 at Sunderland, as they sometimes get, or 28,000 average, uh, or, or, or 16, 17, 18,000 at Fratton, and that generates above the two and a half million, then, then why can't you add that to your, to your budget? There's no way of, of utilising this and, and going, going in through the back door because the, the, the net gate receipts are something that are registered centrally with the EFL all the time anyway. So it's, it's, an, it's not a difficult one to, to uh, keep on top of. It's not about resources, yet that, was, that, that one was, was emphatically not back. Now, I think it's worth making the point that this isn't over yet um, because of this, this decision today. Um, the, we, we, we know all about the, the, the talk about the PF, PFA over the past couple of days. They've twice, uh, in their latest statement coming last night, branded uh, the, what's taken place and the proposals unlawful and the, and the lack of consultation um, factoring into that. They were looking for a, maybe a month for, uh, of greater consultation before um, moving forward. Um, but there now will be a period of arbitration uh, which uh, was pointed out to me this afternoon by Mark Catlin, where, whereby they will look at this. Um, it's not that these are the rules and this is it and, and the be all and end all. Um, there can be amendments made, a constant dialogue, constant meetings with the EFL uh, through this arbitration process where Pom- Pompey might well get the chance to uh, you know, add net gate receipts and push their budget up if they can you know get it through but in a dem- democratic way um and obviously it's got you know got to be voted for so that's the democratic process then you've got the potential for a legal one uh with, with the pfa um that they, they have a brand unlawful and if this arbitration process doesn't reach uh, an, a, an ending where they are content then despite mark catlin his quotes are on our story which are by the time the podcast comes out, we'll be on portsmouth.co.uk. He says that he doesn't believe that it needs to end up in court. There's definitely leeway for it to end up in court. And if they can't come to a negotiation and a settlement, then there's every chance that's where it will end up. Well, when you think about it too, clubs at National League level, they don't have this wage cap salary. A lot of them are already paying big wages. Some, some even better than League Two clubs. Um, that are here above them, but 
you could actually find National League clubs paying more money <laughs> than League One clubs as well. Yeah. And yeah. all of a sudden, you may as well you may as well just decide to go and play for Hampton Waterlooville than say Pompey if that's the case then. You might as well go and play for Hawks three days a week and top of your wages by build, working on a building site or something like that, mightn't you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, you think about when South were coming through the leagues, like ploughing money into it and players were already going there already. Imagine it's going to be another yeah. big spender that comes up. like, And they, you know what I mean? If you're a player thinking, Jesus, I could go there now and, and play non-league footy and earn more than I am at, at league level. Someone who, someone who I know... Yeah, mad. Was was Connor Jennings who went from Tramia to Stockport, who was linked with Pompey actually last summer. Um, I'm not, I don't think he was out of contract or that, but it was just interesting to me thinking, is he looking at that and thinking, am I going to Stockport? I know I think he's from around that way, but it it does interest me the how many players might make that move, League Two players, and might think, you know what, I can go and play for an ambitious league, National League club here because. It's certainly forceable. You think about it as Salford as a Solly Hull, apparently another one that pay decent wages as well. There are National League clubs out there who are paying half decent wages. Not it's not part time football anymore anymore in the National League by no yeah. the imagination. It's full time it's it's almost like a league three. You know, you look at Notts County in the in the division, like you know, clubs of that look if you if you're a player for Mansfield, you think, right, I could go and play for Notts County here and, and and in five hundred quid more a week, it's just crazy. And then what happens for clubs like, say, Notts County? You think, right, we can play players. We're up now. Oh, we've got this wage cap. It's just, it's just madness. You've just got such a disparity between the Championship and League One, and then obviously the National League as well. It's just, it's just crazy how 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 this is turning out. How can League One and League Two have a cap? Definitely input. Championship doesn't. And then divisions below it doesn't have it just does not add up to me whatsoever. Like you, you've got to have some some sort of fluency or some sort of you know consistency, sorry, going right the way through it. It's gotta be sort of right if you're doing it, if there's there's three divisions in the EFL, so why aren't aren't all three doing it? It's just madness. Um let's I'm sure that we'll get onto the, the arguments of going up to the championship. Imagine Pompey go up next season. Oh. You know, it's just gonna be crazy then. You haven't got ready. You're going to have to spend a load of money then. And then, again, to, to stay up in the championship, you're putting your club at risk. If you think, if clubs are saying, right, we need to stay up here, we've got to gamble. We've got to put 10, 15 million into the budget here. So it's just like, I just I just can't really fathom how, how it's coming. Yeah. Two and a half million pounds is like, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind where earning 1,300 quid a week. Like, wouldn't mind that at all, but... In terms of football, what, what's it feel like to earn that mark? <laughs> you know, you know, the more you earn, the more you spend, Jory. So yeah, <laughs> the disposable income is probably just the same. <laughs> How's that hot tub, by the way? Yeah, oh, it's, oh, it's lovely. The, this time uh, of year. Oh, it's then, the, then the whoop there, and it's a boot in the in the wind. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I've, I've got it made me. I'm the. <laughs> but all serious, you know, I mean, facing under par for a League One player, it's not. I've put, you know, if you're playing for Rochdale or whatever, it's decent. But if you're playing for Portsmouth, you're going to be up definitely one of the lower earners usually. But now everyone's going to be going to be on that. So just be interesting this summer what sort of players Pompey can attract, and you know, going forward it'll be even more intriguing. Jordy, that that championship argument at the other end of the scale, the the disparity between two point five million. And the reported 18 million that maybe championship clubs, whenever they yeah. decide to vote on this year, 
That is yeah. massive. A club come up from League One is not going to be able to compete at championship level. So, again, you're going to create yo-yo clubs, aren't you? Yeah, I, I remember um, at the start of all this, back in maybe maybe June, no, maybe earlier than that even, maybe May time actually, when this was, I was speaking to Kenny Jacket, and um, no one had quite, as, as we, uh, we well know, and we spoke about this, no one's really kind of quite picked up on the juggernaut of this coming down the road towards towards clubs until perhaps more recently, but even not until, uh, you know, even maybe not even now quite comprehending how seismic this is. But when I spoke to Kenny Jacket at that time, he said, I think this is going to happen, you know. Um, and then his first thought was, you know, yo-yo clubs. What we said, the big concern, and we did a story to that extent at the time. He said, we're going to create yo-yo clubs. Now, when the figures then became apparent, it was just, it, it was, you know, Obvious, wasn't it? Two and a half million. Okay, the, the championship, we aren't at the stage where they're voting, but the figure of 18 million is, is, is well mooted, isn't it, um, uh, uh, there? So how, how, in, how on earth does that, does that work? Similarly, how on earth does it work for, for, for Portsmouth in, in League One when they're trying to keep their, their, their promising young players? Um, and they've done it with Ronan Curtis. They've done it with Alex Bass. They've done it with Jamel Lowe before and, and, and Clarkey where they renegotiated their, their terms. Now, yeah. if they try and do that now moving forward, say Alex Bass is attracting interest in Crystal Palace. I know he signed a contract, but they wanted to give him an extension. Alex, you know, we've given you a new deal. You're on, say, three, four grand a week. Or, I know he's probably not on that. But, and by the way, we want to, we you know, we want to renegotiate because you've done really well. But now you've got to take £1,300 a week instead. <laughs> Yeah. How, how how does that work? So Portsmouth, that 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 part of Portsmouth Armory is is now well and truly gone. And, and, and let's face it, effectively they're going to they're going to lose players as a result of that uh, because it's all you know quite rightly for players they they've got a short career they want to earn as much as they can. Similarly, when Portsmouth had all these targets and they were talking about you know, how um, all the signs where Cameron McGeehan was going to come in and they were, they were very confident. Kenny Jacket even speaking on the record, which he rarely does, about how he, how he wants him before. The, you know, because they could have offered him the money. Um, he was on six grand a week at Barnsley and, and Pompey thought they could probably make, maybe get him back down here on four or five. Make him one. But obviously thing, things completely swung on their head. And, and now these players that are in the championship that Pompey are aiming at, how on earth can they even begin on a permanent basis to even consider them it's not going to happen forget it that's why and it's been uh, perhaps a bit of a you know used as a, as a knocking tool Pompey have to look to the loan market because that's where they get them the most in the most in the words of Mark Catlin bang for their buck because yeah. at least then okay it's not the, the times of a few years ago where you can get a player on 15 grand for two or three grand a week but you're going to get the club the parent club paying those wages and Pompey being able to top, top them up that's what, they've got to go down that route now, haven't they? Um, mm. with, with, with this coming in. Um, I know it's a, a bugbear that not more work's been done um, before the wage cap with players being signed before that, you know, this comes in on the divisional average. But Portsmouth's argument is that they did, want to be, they did not want to be held to ransom in negotiations um, with any other players coming in. And that was the kind of market that was being created. Um, now, a few things uh, you know, again uh, uh, will swing on the head when uh, all deals are now done to the uh, you know, under the two and a half million cap. 
Well, what would you have preferred if you're a fan? Well, we are we are all fans. Like I think I would rather probably went out and bought a couple of players and got them in the can. Yeah, you might have maybe paid a wee bit extra for them, but now what sort of caliber of player? You're you're, you're going to have to revise completely that list that you initially had. Would it not have been better to bring in two maybe two players who maybe inflated wages slightly than say opposed to? two or three midfielders or two or three players now that might actually not be as good at quality ways? There's a couple of there's a couple of issues there. There's the the fact that a lot of people, um, players were waiting. It seemed there was a, a kind of environment where they were waiting on what happened with the with the with the wage cap and they were happy to sit tight and, and, and see how it plays out. So I guess if you're a championship player that Pompey were interested in. Okay, well, I'm fancying Pompey. Um, you know, it's a nice part of the world. Oh, uh, the way you know the wage caps come in. Well, now I'll, I'll probably sit tight where I am, or, or look for a, a championship club as well in, instead. So Pompey were coming up against that. There, again, there was a, um, a frustration over. You know, they didn't want to to pay pay the extra money, and and of course, you know, these deals don't necessarily happen overnight either. Um, we've all seen Sunderland to our die, and. Um, you know the real Greek scenario there, where they ended up on dead Monday, the price getting mm-hmm. driven up to a ridiculous levels, wasn't it? And uh, yeah. well, Stuart Donald having a meltdown. I think Pompey were keen to avoid that that kind of scenario, um, and it makes sense to get the ones. Okay, Raggett and Brown. Okay, not the, you know we can talk about that probably in a minute how that was perceived, but the, they were in talks with these lads already, so they were the easier deals to get done. And in under the under the under the under the. Uh, before that, before the cutoff point, shall we say? Um, so they were, they made sense certainly for me to get those ones in the can. So I can kind of see I can see both sides now, having been given the insight of, of the, the problems that Pompey have faced. Um, but then I can also see why there was the, the fans thought there perhaps should have uh, been greater urgency. And this is of course without not even looked to the point that there's only three spaces left in the squad now. If you want to get your most bang for your buck, and it lies in the loan market, then you know in terms of over 21 year old players and that's where Pompey have turned their attention to. Well, I don't know about you, but I've never been a fan of loan signings. It gives a club a false perspective on where they actually are. And when those players leave, i.e. Seddon, um, McGeehan, Ross McCurry, in particular this season, you're all of a sudden left with gaping holes in your squad and you're maybe not as good as what you were at the end of a season. So, if Pompey are going to be reliant on loans, again, it's a false economy. They're, they're yeah, they might get up beside us this season with those three players, three loanees, but come a new season next year, they're all of a sudden they're left with massive holes and have to start thinking, what are we going to do here? It is, but as Jordi said, you get more bang for your buck. And I think that every size or most sides that go up and be promoted have loanees who make a big difference. Yeah. You know, you yeah. look Coventry, they had Barley's in and Iverson, the keeper, and obviously Barley's a look, Pompey looked at them last summer there. Coventry has O'Hare, the lad from Villa, who's rejoined them again, and, and Wickham had lads like, like off the boring from, from, from Bournemouth. So, you know, I think for me, if you're going to get a loanee in, it has to be in the, from a Premier League side because. The likelihood is the impressive League One, they're not going to go back to the Premier League and get a game. If they're mm. from a championship size, i.e. Ben Thompson, i.e. Yeah. Andre, or be it for a different reason, then yeah. come January, the clubs have a think about it 
and then they have to think, right, we're in trouble here. He's doing well out on loan, i.e. Ben Thompson. He could come back yeah. and make a difference. Lo and behold, he does it. You get a Premier League player in who's 19, 20, flying a Pompey, looking at him. He's doing really well there. Do we need him back? Well, no, he's not ready yet. He's nowhere near ready yet. Should we leave him out for a bit longer? Yeah, let's keep him out and keep him developing and see where we like, see see where we like next pre-season. If Pompey go up, could we get him back on loan again? Yeah, look what happened with Charlton and Josh Cullen a couple of years ago. He went back there. be interesting to see. Obviously, O'Hare went back to Coventry after he was released from Villa. And be interesting to see if the likes of Barley goes back to, to Rotherham next season. So I think if you if you get a loan in, especially from a Premier League Cup, you get the, they help you get up to League One from League One in the Championship, you've got a chance to get them back again then. And then if they're still out of the fray, have you got a chance to get them again the next season? So I, I, do, I do really think that the Championship, it is, it is taking a risk because, don't get me wrong, they've probably got more experience usually Championship players, haven't they, of playing senior football a fair bit of the time. Look at even like David Wheeler, uh, or obviously got got a... Back in QPR as well, I, 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 but I think Premier League loans is, is the way to go for Pompey this summer rather than Championship clubs where they are putting at risk players getting recalled back and wrecking a promotion push like it happened with Thompson. Yeah, Ben Thompson's one, isn't it? Ben Thompson is, is one that, that, that you think you, you think to. What a good point that was as well from Will. Well done, Will. Good point. He's <laughs> mate. He's my main completely there. Well, well done, <laughs> Dave. I'm not, do you know what? You know, I've not even considered the, the difference between the two, but that's why he's there. That's why he's on Pompey Talk. That's why the only, he's the only decent thing I've said. Jordy, <laughs> <laughs> just going back to a point you made about some fans maybe saying, surely we could have done a bit of business before this year. I'm just looking at the players that Pompey have out of contract next season. And yes, like Tom Naylor's at the top of that list, and we all know what happened with Tom Naylor in the playoffs. But You've got Naylor, you've got Williams, you've got Morris, you've got Evans, you've got Watmore, Cannon, Close, McGillifrey. They're just some of them. If Pompey want to keep any of those players now at the end of the oh. season, the chances are they're going to have to take a pay cut. Again, could that not have yeah. been a priority for Pompey? That even, I say, even though likes of Naylor doesn't even know if he's going to be starting the first game of the season, even though the rest of us think he's such an important member of that team. Is it was that not a priority to even tie some of those guys down the new days? Well, I think they've kind of they've, they've worked. If I'm being brutally honest, they probably tied down the ones they wanted already, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being perfectly frank, um, because they've got the ones like the Curtis and the Basses, and um, perhaps you know the other lads. You know, you see talk, talk about Jack Watmore being out of contract. Well, they're not going to give Jack another contract given what what's happened. Ben close. It was ben, when when Ben Ben's up, not up. Is he up next season? I'm not sure. Um, he's, got as well. he's got another couple, isn't he? Ben. I, think, I think he's got an option. The club have got an option on close. Yeah, yeah, they do, yeah. So, yeah. If I'm being perfectly frank, I'm going to back that one back to you and say Pompey. You know, <laughs> it's probably, probably not the PC thing to say, um, but yeah. And, and again, if I'm being perfectly frank, slightly swinging the, the whole debate around. I think one of one of the biggest issues for Pompey at the moment, and I'm sure we're going to get on to Will's conversations with, with Kenny Jacket today, is those players that are out, you know, the, the squad in the dressing room there at the moment, I think you've got a lot of repairing to do. You know, you've got a fractured dressing room at the moment. Um, a lot of players were getting frustrated with trying, you know, the players that are out of contract and trying to get negotiations and 
not getting a lot of work done. But Pompey had to cover their base with the uncertainty. But anyway, I'm slightly digressing. I think that you know the the, the mood in that dressing room at the moment. Um, there's not too many who aren't probably perturbed or, or, or slightly peeved with, with the manager in some way. And uh, there's a lot of work to do. Um, yeah. What did Kenny have to say about that, Will? I did ask him about that and Tom Neely yesterday when I spoke to him and the classic Kenny, Kenny answer really. Saying he's coming, he's trained fine. I asked him if he's had any conversations. <laughs> he said, oh yeah, spoke to him at the playoffs and that's all. Yeah, this, as we alluded to, there are some relationships that are free, definitely Tom Neal and Ben Close, another one who will be a little bit frustrated. Obviously, if, if McGeehan's not going to come in, that helps his cause because if, if Jackett looks now to maybe a bit more of an attack on midfield, it means that he hasn't got as much competition. But yeah, this, uh, it'll be interesting to see just how, how, how players bounce back and really, really respond to the way that some of them have been treated at times and, you know, Pompey fans are well aware of the way that Naylor and Close and McGilvery and even Paul Down to an extent being left in the yeah. hole. Uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see whether Pompey can and, and can patch up these sorts of relationships. Yeah. Well, I think. Uh, on, Sorry, Jordan. I was going to say, talking about patching up relationships, and I am very conscious of time. We are running out of time here, but one of the major patching up jobs. That needs a bit of fixing is obviously Kenny and the, the fans. Um, what did he say about that there? And can we expect a different approach from Kenny Jacket next season yeah. on the back of that there? Yeah, I mean, talking about the fans, first of all, Kenny's perfectly aware of the situation. He knows that he's under fire at the minute. I think I, I, you'd like to think that Mark Catlin's had conversations with him and you know he knows he's got to start fast next season. That's he, He's got to. Otherwise, he's going to be under a hell of a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, Kenny, he, when he's been under pressure before, he said that pressure and being the post of manager, it comes within, it's a privilege. Um, he said that many times before, after Wickham and Wimbledon, and, you know, when he didn't get promoted last season, he regarded it as a very lucky position in being a, a manager of, of Portsmouth. And he's got to fight now to win back fans', fans approval. Whether he can do that is... Is it remains to be seen because one big thing is that fans aren't happy about the, the style of football. Another question I asked yeah. them, you know, he said that it's a middle ground he looks for. He's looking between for a happy medium between attack and defence. And you know, I can understand what he's saying when he when he attacks, he wants to start to attack with pace and attack with you know with with, with plenty of, mm. of venom and. Because he, he does, he, you know, I'll just, just get the quote up in front of me now as I've got it. He said to me, um, one thing I've got is, is the balance and the mix. I want a quick tempo to my game to attack quickly. Similarly, it's about playing the right pass at the right time, breaking teams down. You have to attack when it's right. So, you know, Kenny, we know he plays a little bit of a pragmatic way, but I think to call him a, a defensive mind it is a little bit of a, an easy way to to berate him because if you see some of the away performances, they are superb, mm. superb. Like especially like the season before last when yeah, only attacking hard. I always I've said it before, but that performance of Peterborough when it's the top two of the division, Pompey just absolutely killed them. They weren't as good in defence this season, Pompey. So perhaps they couldn't couldn't roll out those tactics as well because they didn't have Matt Clark, they didn't have Nathan Thompson. But Kenny talks about continuity, and he shows Mark Catlin, Georgie, and if they've got a decent back line now and they've got Reports there, and they know each other's game, and they're a bit more stoic, like that mm. twenty eighteen nineteen season. Perhaps we might see performances like that again. Yeah, Jordan, yeah. 
Jordy, time is, is quickly coming down to an end. And if you take a long pause and think about this carefully, you might escape an answer. But can Kenny Jacket change fans' opinions? Well, with results, he can change opinions. That's that's the, the be-all and end-all. When uh, when things are going well and the winds are coming, people can, can swallow um, the brand. For me, I've written about it this week and I've gone into a lot of detail about the whole fury around the, around the support. And ostensibly, for me, the anger falls into kind of one of three categories. They want, they're angry about the supporters that they want Kenny Jacket sacked and they feel like they're not, not being heard. It seems that the style of football is, is angering fans and they've had enough of what jacket ball, long ball, hoof ball, whatever you want to want to call it. Um, and they're, they're pissed off, let's have it right, with, with what they perceive as a lack of ambition from the owners. Um, they seem to be the kind of three main main strands. Now, you, can, you can look at the pros and cons, but this is, this is all taking place against the backdrop of the COVID chaos that, that's going on. And, um, I mean, if you get rid of Kenny Jacket now, which there's a case for some uh, that, that could be the case. My personal view, uh, even now, and I've had, had debates with people about this week, is I'm still disappointed about the manner of defeat in playoffs. Um, you, can, you can debate the twos and throws of... Of uh, of Kenny Jackets, but that's that's something I've got to get over. Um, you got at some point you have to park it and say that the reality is Kenny's got the club into you know a steady position into the playoffs for a couple of years, about where they are in ter- in, in in terms of budget. Um, and the and the reality is it would take half a million pounds to get rid of Kenny. He's got a year on his contract. Got Joe Gallon there. It's going to cost circa five hundred thousand pounds to 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 get rid of. If you want to sack him, if there was if there was the desire to sack Kenny, that that would be what it would cost. Now, when the club are hemorrhaging seven hundred grand a month, as we reported this week, how does that equate in a week where, or, um, you know, last month, for example, Kenny um, Mark Catlin's intimated, you know, people redundancies aren't out of the question. So, so in a week where fifty-five people were made redundant at the top end with Arsenal, and then at the bottom end. We're seeing clubs like Droysden uh, go to the wall, and many, many, many others fearing for their futures. How can how can we be thinking that that the, the, the situation is one where we can sack Kenny Jacket and uh, and replace him, or or go out and pay four million pounds a year for for an Eddie Howe how that some people are asking for, or even down at down at you know the Lee Johnsons of the world that people are, they're just out of their reach, and it's it's just totally unrealistic. Um, Similarly, with players, um, you know, before the before the wage cap was coming in, to, to expect Pompey to go out and, and break the bank for them, it, it, it just doesn't add up. And um, I think a lot of supporters have come around to that, but some perhaps need a reality reality check to just how drastic the situation is, and and um, and and the, likewise the reality of where Portsmouth stand today. I've, I've, written, I've written it many times, and I go back to it, missing out on promotion. Um, uh, this situation with, with, with what's going on in football at the moment is a pretty could be one that Pompey reflects on in years to come as, as one of the uh, worst uh, issues uh, in terms of missing out on promotion in, in, in the club's history. Okay, and Joy, just finally, we did mention Ragged and Lee Brown midway yep. through the, the episode. Um, it's good to get those two over the line, though, isn't it? A wee bit of positivity. <laughs> well, you say that. <laughs> one, one, it's, I believe it's good to get it over the line. Positivity, I wouldn't go quite down that road. <laughs> well, given that 
um, the, the reaction on to the news. We, we knew that the on Monday that the deal was virtually done, so we broke the story. Um, by the time that the Etsy official announcement came round at eight o'clock on Monday, I couldn't even bring myself to do the confirmation done deal tweets because <laughs> it was inevitable. The fury that would spill forth uh, from fans who were just scattergun fury because they're pissed off on so many different fronts at the at the moment with Pompey, which is totally for me. I I, I totally totally understand, but um, it feels like because of that, Lee Brown and Sean Raggett have become worse players overnight really the way the, the the deals were reacted to Steve said it is what Pompey fans wanted um, but again because of COVID and a number you know he, I, my understanding is what Pompey were quoted before COVID kicked in for Steve said and w- w- was unheard of um, by Birmingham uh, for, for a player with his experience at that level so Pompey were kind of keeping their powder dry on that one and hoping to revisit but obviously with what happened then? He's now got a future at Birmingham. Um, they've obviously got an outstanding left back that might be moving on, and, it, and the doors open to him to to you know, go back there and, and maybe make the grade at, at Birmingham. So that that frustrates Pompey. But in the, in the, in because of that, Lee Brown is then uh, a player that's been spoken to, and I thought it, it's a good he's a good solid player. It, it annoys me when people give Lee Brown the kind of flack saying he's the worst left-back we've ever seen when I could name probably four or five in the last 10 years who, who, who were inferior to, <laughs> inferior to Lee. Um, so I feel he, he's a little bit hard done by. And that's without even going into his character. Um, he's one of the few, if I'm honest, uh, uh, with the real mineral, shall we say, um, and, and leadership that, that Pompey need, and uh, certainly in my mind. So And Sean Raggett, slow start last season. Uh, but he played a key part in that fantastic run record-breaking run at the start of the year he, he picked up as the season went on he's a good strong solid defender at league one level uh, I think it, 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 he's sometimes what you need a headache kick it no nonsense type um, now I think given what happened at slow start last season perhaps some continuity in those two lads is is, um, is no bad thing get it they're not the glamour names that Pompey fans wanted um, they're not the sexy signings that Pompey wanted, but they're good, solid additions. And uh, I think the reaction to that was a little bit unfair on on, on a pair of them. Um, I think they're, they're good additions, and I think I'm, I think I'm pretty certain that they'll they'll prove that moving forward. Definitely concur completely. Um, anybody who is still listening to this, and thank you, by the way, if you are, will have wondered <laughs> how we were suddenly running out of time, and then Jordy has given us two very lengthy answers. Indeed, well. <laughs> It's all a secret and we can't divulge that there, but we have managed to get everything in. Lads, <laughs> I appreciate your time as effort. Um, I know it's a Friday evening. The sun is actually gone, so Jordy, you may put a jumper on that crop top that you're currently wearing now and put a bit of sun cream on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The old string vest is out, isn't it? The old string vest, indeed. But no, thank you all again. And listen, lads, we'll speak again next week. Thanks again. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the Portsmouth News website for just £1 a month for the first three months for everything you need to know about Portsmouth and more.